Hello, Teaching Plus listeners. I'm Jana Greckel, Associate Professor in Sociology and member of the Festival of Teaching and Learning Steering Committee at the University of Alberta. CTL has reimagined the festival this year in an effort to continue featuring the great teaching happening on campus. This podcast series features instructors teaching ideas and experiences accepted to the 2020 Festival of Teaching and Learning. The Centre for Teaching and Learning website at ctl.ualberta.ca is home to more podcasts and webinars from the 2020 Festival of Teaching and Learning. Hello, Teaching Plus listeners. This is Alan Watson, Lead Educational Developer from the Centre for Teaching and Learning. Thank you for joining us for another Festival of Teaching and Learning podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Jennifer Passy, Teaching Professor in the Faculty of Arts. Hi. And Dr. Karsten Lopelman, Faculty Lecturer in the Faculty of Science. Hi there. So uh, today we're going to be talking about your strategy that you proposed for the 2020 Festival of Teaching and Learning. And Dr. Passy and Dr. Lopelman used blogs as an assessment tool in their science courses. What brought you two to using a blog format? Karsten and I are both part of a psychology teaching and learning reading group. And one of the books that we read last year was a book on integrating writing into psychology courses that was published by the Society for the Teaching of Psychology. In that book, Molly Metz uh, wrote an essay about a blog project that she developed and used in her intimate relationships class. And after reading this essay, Karsten and I each took different aspects of her project and implemented them in our own courses. Can you tell me a bit about the courses that you use the blogs in? Sure. So my course is Psychology 347 Interpersonal Relationships. So it's a third year course that is all about relationship processes uh, like communication and attraction and sexuality and, you know, what makes people maintain happiness over their relationships over a period of time. Um, So this is a course taught mostly from a social psychology perspective. Karsten, what about your course? So my course is a fourth year course called Advanced Perception. It is a special topics course, but I've been teaching it since 1995. The first half of the course is largely all about vision science. And then for the second half, I talk about things that interest me and I hope interest students maybe a little bit more. So I talk about psychology and art, synesthesia. I talk about Uh, perception of uh, food and how that relates to eating and something called neuromagic, which is exploring stage magic and explaining it with principles of science and neuroscience. I've got to say, I would take a course that's uh, got neuromagic in it just for the (laughs) title there. Okay, but you got to get through the vision science first half first. (laughs) Um, Okay, so these are two, they sound, you know, they're they're psychology based um, from what I'm hearing. And you decided to include blogs because you wanted to integrate writing. So how did you use these blogs to help your students develop skills in writing? 
So the goal of the project for me was to get the students to um, read recent research in relationship science and also to practice communicating that research to a general audience. Um, So one of the important learning outcomes that the American Psychological Association has deemed important for psychology majors is that they be able to demonstrate effective writing and communication uh, for different purposes. So I thought this type of project would be a good way to help them practice that skill. Um, So for most of our students, when they go on in their future careers or their personal lives, they will be consuming research information and will have to figure out how to apply that information to their daily lives or even how to apply it in their job. And part of that process may involve reading something technical and then having to communicate about it to people who don't have the same background or the same understanding. Um, So the goal for my students was for them to read these research articles and then write about them, uh, the research in their own words, um, with enough detail that people could understand the study, even if they weren't familiar with psychology uh, research generally. So for students in my relationships class, they had to contribute to a class blog. And it's a blog that anyone can go and view now if they want. I can provide the link. Um, So the class all posted blog posts on the same class blog that I created in WordPress. Um, So for my students, they had to complete four blog posts over the course of the term, uh, two longer primary posts and then two shorter quickie blog posts that were a maximum of 100 words each. So in each of these blog posts, they had to find recent empirical research and then they had to write about it uh, in different formats. So most of the posts were just describing the research and potential applications of that research. But some of the other options included looking at a celebrity relationship or a fictional relationship and then using the research to explain things that happened in that relationship uh, or doing an option called a fact checker where they had to take a claim from the media and then use the research to assess whether that claim was appropriate or not. Or there was also a hot topic category where they would review research in a particular area and then summarize the findings from multiple articles. So they might have something like top 10 reasons to, you know, post a good profile picture on Tinder or a step-by-step guide for satisfying your partner or uh, something like that. Karsten, what about you? What did it look like in your class? So although we both started with that same article that we read, we went in a bit of a different direction. So Jennifer clearly was all in on this. Um, I was a bit more hesitant. So I just really dipped my toe in the water. I didn't want to try something and have it fail spectacularly and have the students, you know, crash and burn. So I just had two blog posts. So I just want to try it out, see how it's going. I came to this, um, you know, as we're all pedagogy nerds, we know that fourth year classes have to have some kind of a writing component. And I was teaching two 400 level psychology courses in the same semester. 
and I have 70 students across those two courses. There's no way I'm going to mark that many term papers. So I was looking for some solution. I need the students to write something. And this blog post really kind of fit what I was looking for. So I just had two of them. Um, I had one that was assigned before the midterm and then another one at the end of term. And my idea was what students could do is pick something from that sort of half of the course if they wanted to, to explore in greater depth. So this could help them not only develop their writing skills, which was something that Jen and I were both looking for, but if they pick something that's related to the course content, this can help kind of solidify it in their mind. It's more of an active learning component rather than just reading about something if they have to actually write about it too. I mean, we know that that's going to improve their, their learning and their understanding. Now, I didn't want to restrict them, so they could have chosen whatever they wanted. So I wanted to leave it open enough for them that they could pick something that interested them. I mean, we all know that if you make a student write about something that they don't care about, that really kind of comes through. I'd rather have them choose something that they have a passion for. And I know that word gets overused, but it really does come through if they pick something that they think is really cool and interesting. So I did leave it open uh, to them in that regard. So again, my my um, my purpose here was to get them to write something, kind of just dipping a toe in the water, just kind of seeing how it went, um, and then uh, letting letting Jen take really the big risk to see uh, to see how that went. <laughs> Can I mention also um, for students in my class, they were told to pick a topic in the general domain of interpersonal relationships, but they could pick whatever they wanted within that broad umbrella. I told them that ideally it would be a topic that we didn't cover in depth in class so that they could broaden their scope. But if they were interested by an article that mirrored or contradicted something that we learn in class, they should go for it. I found many students picked a particular topic that they were interested in, like some of them were interested in long distance relationships, for example, or <laughs> were interested in jealousy or something like that. And you would see over the course of their term, all of their blog posts were exploring that same topic uh, in different ways and looking at different types of research. So I thought it was a way for the students to get uh, you know, more in-depth investigation into particular topics they were interested in, even if we didn't cover those in class. I'm glad to hear that you had the personalization piece in there. I think that that's really important in education and something that can get lost. Mm -hmm. um, so to tack on to that, something I'm wondering is, you know, how did students respond to creating the blogs? Did they like them? Were they hesitant? What happened? Um, so, um, Karsten and I each used the blog project for the first time in the winter 2020 term. So, we didn't have formal course evaluations at the end of the term like we would have in a regular semester. Um, but I did do a, an informal Google form survey of my class after their first blog post. Uh, now, in this survey, I asked them how challenging they found the blog posts, um, how much they enjoyed creating them, and what types of resources they used. I also asked them about what additional resources they thought would be helpful. So for the students who responded to the survey, most of them said that it was extremely challenging. They found it very difficult to write in this way. Um, many of the students um, found that it was really hard not to use very technical language because most of their assignments that they do for us, they're using 
technical language that mirrors the language in the research articles. So this is a bit of a different experience for them. However, most of the students also agreed that they enjoyed doing the blog post, that they thought it was fun and interesting. Um, So I definitely plan on doing this project again in the future. Kirsten, what about your students? So coincidentally, I too sent out a Google form and I did that in lieu of there being no formal evaluations in the winter 2020 term. So Jennifer and I didn't coordinate this. We just both kind of did this. Um, I didn't get a lot of responses, but I think importantly, I didn't get any complaints. If students had hated it, that would have come through and that would have come through even before the end of term um, kind of survey. They would have contacted me during the term and you know, they would have been asking for guidance, like, what do I do? I don't know how to do this. (laughs) You know, this sucks. I hate it. Um, But I didn't get that. So I think that is a positive. Um, I'm hoping that they that they did like it. And again, reading what they wrote, I think that really did come through that some of them really devoted themselves to this and really put in a lot of hard work. That being said, um, the responses I got in terms of what they actually wrote ranged from kind of chatty on the one hand, almost a little bit too unsophisticated. It's like they're writing a Facebook post to their friend. And at the other end of the continuum, some people treated it like a like a little term paper. So they kind of overdid it and really didn't translate things. They used a lot of jargon and technical language. That being said, most of them were in the middle. So I was happy to see that a lot of students were in that kind of middle ground, which which is what I was hoping for them to be. Yeah, I think that knowledge translation in science communication and, you know, in any in any field that has a lot of technical languages is an important skill to develop. But one that's just starting to hit courses now, right? Like we're just starting to get there. Um, so I, I can see why they would have trouble taking that technical language and putting it into, you know, everyday language, right? I will say that over the course of the term, I did see a dramatic improvement in their ability to translate the research information into something that would be appropriate for a general audience. So they started off their blog posts using a lot of jargon and technical language, but as they got feedback and incorporated that feedback in the future posts, they were much less likely to do this. And I think as a result, had more fun um, writing the blog posts as the course of the term went on. That's interesting. And it speaks to how coaching students in this realm and writing these types of pieces could be preparing them for those types of jobs, right? Well, I think many times they didn't really realize that they were using jargon or technical terms until it was pointed out to them. Um, So, you know, they're writing about a particular finding and I had to encourage them to think about, you know, if you said this to someone at the grocery store or to your grandmother or to someone on the street, would they understand what you mean by that word? And if not, you should maybe change it or, you know, um, provide an example or something like that to clarify exactly what you mean. And they did incorporate this feedback. Um, I also want to add that I thought that the blog posts were exceptionally well done. So the body of work over the course of the term was really impressive. They did much better with it than I would have anticipated. You asked, did the students find this assignment useful? 
I don't think they're going to know that until they're out in the workplace, mm-hmm. until they're put in a situation where they might have to take some complex technical document and write an actual press release or communicate that to the public. So my hope is that five years from now, I'm going to get an email from a student saying, I took your course five years ago, and it turns out that blog post thing actually helped me in my job. How can instructors support students in feeling more prepared to write these blogs? I also collected examples from the first set of blog posts for the class um, of really excellent, really exceptionally well done blog posts. And I collected those and provided the links uh, to the class as a whole. Um, So I think that was helpful that they were able to see um, some successful examples from other students. One thing I will try to do for the next time I use this is I will try to provide some common on what made those examples particularly good. Um, So some students would write a blog post where they were really good at, you know, critiquing the research, whereas other exceptional blog posts were really good at making connections to other research or to pop culture or everyday experiences. So I think if I was able to add in comments about this blog post is a really good example of how to demonstrate this skill that might be helpful for students who get feedback that those are particular skills that they need to work on. So I didn't give students feedback. Uh, I did give them lots of examples. So I gave them blog posts from Scientific American um, pertaining to perception, actual press releases from the Association for Psychological Science, even a couple of my blog posts. Um, But again, I think Jennifer is right that they don't really know what makes it a good article necessarily. So what I've done is I've gone to the students who wrote the best blog posts um, and I asked them, can I take yours and show it to my students moving forward and kind of explain this is why this one got top marks. And they were very happy to share those with me. So that's a that's a really great thing. I think it's going to help students know just exactly what they should be shooting for. How does this blog fit in with the rest of your assessment in your course? For my course in the winter term, we had a midterm and a final exam. We also had a series of in-class group assignments that the students did over the course of the term. Um, So this project replaced a term paper that I would have typically had for the same course. So instead of having one paper at the end of the course, I had them do these four blog posts uh, throughout the course. So for me, uh, my class has uh, one midterm and one final with short answer and essay questions. Um, I also have them write multiple choice questions on a website called Peerwise, where students can share their questions with other students. And this provides kind of a body of questions that they can use for practice. Uh, That didn't work so well. So we're just going to skip right over that. So I did need to have this writing component in my course. And again, there's no way that I could write term papers. Um, I briefly considered getting my teaching assistant to mark a bunch of term papers, but no, that's not fair to them. So it fit really well with what I needed. I needed them not just to go into the literature and just like read things, but also produce something creatively, so a writing assignment. And that was exactly what I was looking for. And and it fit really well. How might this strategy be useful to other instructors at the U of A outside of your faculties, outside of your departments? 
Well, I think that this type of project is really well suited for any content area of interest to the general public. So that could include, but isn't limited to areas like education and learning, health and well-being, fitness and nutrition, parenting. Um, So regardless of their career choices, all of our students are going to need to be intelligent consumers of information. They're going to be presented with information in the media about medical advances, diet and exercise, you know, what they should do with their relationships or with their kids. And so for them to develop the skills to critically interpret the research, as well as communicate that technical information to other people, I think will have lots of benefits. So I could see this being applicable to many different domains. Can I just say me too? (laughs) You can, Carson. I'm interested from your perspective, Carson, because I mean, I would wonder in science courses, like looking at your colleagues in science, would this be a tougher sell? I don't think it would be a tough sell. I think it's a pretty easy sell. I mean, we all love our areas and we want people to know more about it. And that starts with our students. And some of my students told me that after they you know, read this paper and they wrote the blog post, they discussed it with their family over dinner. And it's like, yeah, that's that's I mean, that's a great starting point, you know, getting people interested in science and discussing science. And if they talk about it with their friends, too, and if it reaches the broader public, so much the better. I think this is a, a pretty easy sell. So looking at the, the cost and benefits for me, the cost would be the marking load and setting it all up answering students' questions. And really, that was that was minimal. And I think the payoffs are pretty large. So my class benefited from the fact that Molly, who created this project, also taught an interpersonal relationships class. So my students were provided at the beginning of the term with example posts from her class's blog. Um, do you have any tips for those who may want to use blogs in their class? Sure. So one thing that I would recommend for anyone who wants to have their students contribute to a blog that's outside of E-class is to put something in your syllabus or in your schedule that gets them to set up whatever accounts they need really early in the term. Um, So for my students, they just had to create a WordPress account. It didn't cost them anything, but they had to create their own account so that I could add them as an editor to our blog. And they need to do that before they'd be able to post any blog posts. Unfortunately, there were some cases throughout the term where I was, you know, emailing students a couple of days before to remind them that they hadn't created their account yet. Uh, So the next time I use this, I will have something where within the first couple of weeks, they have to set up that account. Another thing I would recommend is that in Molly's original essay on this project, she incorporated an in-class activity where students um, would read a research article and then they'd be presented with a really good example of a blog post conveying that research. I did this in my class and I think it was really helpful for the students to be able to see how someone could convey in relatively few words the main points of the research methodology and the main findings and make it interesting. Um, So that in-class assignment where they had to pick out the key features of a blog post, I think helped prepare them for writing their own posts. On that note, I want to thank Dr. Passy and Dr. Lopelman for joining us and talking to us today about uh, their class blogs. We will get that link from um, Jennifer and put it in the 
description for this post. But I just want to sincerely thank both of you for advancing the teaching and learning that's happening at the University of Alberta. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us, Ellen. Absolutely a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Teaching Plus. This Teaching Plus podcast is created by the University of Alberta Center for Teaching and Learning team. For more information on any of our services, please find us online at ctl.ualberta.ca. Until next time, keep tweaking your teaching.